Hello, movie marathoners, and welcome to the Movie Marathoners Sundance 5K series, a series of short episodes centered on the films released at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. I'm your host, Mati, and in this episode, I'm honored to get the opportunity to interview Mia Chofi Henry and Allison Pierce, the cinematographer and costume designer for Superior, which had its premiere on January 30th. The synopsis for Superior is... On the run, Marion returns to her hometown in upstate New York to hide out with her estranged identical twin sister Vivian. Struggling to put the past behind her, Marion lies about the reasons for her return, leaving her sister in the dark until their two worlds begin to collide. Superior stars Alessandra and Ani Mesa, and it is written by Alessandra Mesa and Aaron Vasilopoulos. Aaron Vasilopoulos also directs the film as her feature-length directorial debut. She's directed several short films before, including one in 2015, also titled Superior, which acts as a pseudo-prequel to this feature-length film. So while you don't have to have seen the original short film to enjoy or understand this feature film, it's free to watch online, and there's a few clever nods throughout the film that reward those who have seen the short, so I definitely recommend checking it out. But even if you don't see that short film, there's still a lot to recommend about Superior. From the start of the film, something is off, and the film has this wonderful sense of tension throughout. The performances from Alessandra and Ani Mesa are great, their characters act as stark opposites while still feeling real and grounded, and the atmosphere of the film, which is set firmly in the 80s, gives it a quiet, meditative, and almost eerie feeling of these similar thriller-esque indie films. I really enjoyed the film quite a bit, and I think that you should definitely look out for it when the film gets picked up for distribution later in the year. Until then, though, stick around for my interview with Mia Trophy Henry and Allison Pierce. Mia is the cinematographer of Superior and has been the cinematographer on numerous other projects, including many of Aaron Vasilopoulos' short films. Allison Pierce is the costume designer of Superior, as well as many other projects, including the Sundance hit from last year, Black Bear. She's also been on SNL as a costume designer for several years. I had a really great conversation with these brilliant women, and it was just an an absolute honor to get to talk about this lovely film with them. They're so wonderful and really have a lot of insight about what this film is about and how it all came together. That interview is coming up right now. All right. I'm honored to be joined by Mia Trophy Henry and Allison Pierce, the cinematographer and the costume designer, respectively, for the beautiful and haunting thriller premiering at Sundance in the U.S. Dramatic Competition superior. Mia, Allison, thank you so much for joining me. How's everyone's Wednesday been? It's been good. I'm I'm actually in the mountains right now and I'm staring at a, a nice fire going inside. So, so you've kind of got the Sundance vibe going on, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm pretending, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I have the Sundance vibe in that I've been so busy all week trying to get everything ready. I mean, we only just fit, finished the film like last week. So I feel like I'm, I have, I have that, that busy atmosphere vibe, which is very Sundance, very on brand. So different, different ends of the spectrum today. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and congratulations on the film. I I saw the film and it's, it's lovely. Um, If future me did his job correctly, then there will have been a synopsis of superior in the opening section of this podcast and I will have explained that although this is Aaron Vasilopoulos's directorial debut, it's kind of a continuation of her 2015 short film, also titled Superior, 
which follows these same characters six years before the events of this film. So Mia, you were also the cinematographer for that short film. Um, so I'm wondering what it was like to be a part of this shoot where you not only know the director and you know the principal actors, but you're also already familiar with the characters and the world of the film. It's, it's kind of like a pseudo sequel in a way, right? Yeah, it's it's like a spiritual sister. Um, I think we 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 shot the the short back when we were in film school at NYU, um, and we were kind of just experimenting in the world, and and we sort of came upon this place and got very deep into it um, at the time, and then we kind of never let it go. It wasn't really an intention ever to expand it into something larger. Um, it was never you know, a proof of concept for a feature in any way. But um, we we sort of, I think partly because it went to Sundance and Berlinale and then sort of had a life past uh, just filming it, it sort of stuck with us for a long time and became kind of a, a touch point for us. So when Ale, um, one of the uh, sisters kind of called Erin and said, hey, would you ever, did you ever consider making this into a feature film? Uh, she said, absolutely not, but let's talk. And they kind of sat down in one day and fleshed out what this new version of the world was going to be. And and Aaron called me right after and was like, hey, making Superior into a feature, you win. Um, and I said, absolutely. I feel like we we kind of grew up. The, the, the short is a coming of age about two teenage sisters. And I feel like it was sort of our coming of age as filmmakers, it was the first time I was on set and I said, oh, I think I'm a cinematographer for sure here. I really feel like a DP now. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It was really interesting to come back to it um, years later. I think we, we made that film eight years ago. Um, and uh, no, is that right? Yeah. And to kind of come back to it in, in such different places in our own lives um, and in our careers and, you know, it was my second feature to shoot as a DP. So we kind of, and I had made countless other shorts. Aaron and I had made other shorts in between. Uh, we really had like lives in between to kind of come back and say, okay, how do we get back into the world? Uh, was a, a little bit of a challenge right at the beginning. And then we kind of took it and ran with it. So was there anything specific from your experience working on the short film that you brought to the feature film, whether that was some sort of specific filming technique or, you know, maybe it was just, learning how to tell the the two twin actors apart? Yeah, that was definitely a learning curve. Because because we were in school, we were really workshopping the short in class a lot. So I knew the story really well. And then mm-hmm. I, I was kind of going to rehearsals with the twins at the time. So I got to know them uh, very well back then. They were first years at NYU undergrad. So um, they were really young and, um, I got to know them separately and I kind of, I, I was able, I was one of the few people who was able to tell them apart, right. Uh, on set, they were much harder to tell apart back then, at least for me. <laughs> um, but so that, that was, I was already pretty, pretty well ingrained in that world. So Allison, your experience was kind of the converse of Mia's, right? Where there was a lot of people on this film that were already familiar with the world and kind of the vibe that Aaron was going for. So uh, I'm just wondering, what was it like to join a film production that already has an aesthetic and kind of already has a previous film to base off of and how that influences the way that you choose to design the costumes? Well, I, I think that um, Superior was sort of like Aaron and Mia's baby. And <laughs> they were 
very clear. They had this history. They did the short together and they were very clear with, you know, what Vivian's world and Michael's world were going to look like um, when we first start the film. Um, so for me, I felt like I was sort of brought into the fold with like this path that they were already on. And I think Mia specifically like was so invested in the costumes and it was super refreshing to work with a DP who really had a lot to say about the costumes and would come to fittings. And honestly, Mia, I loved it so much, but in the, it was very different. Like it made it more linear for me, costume design wise, instead of like going around in circles, trying to figure out what each character is. Like, I feel like that was very clearly defined and also working with Ale who, you know, plays Marion and wrote the script as well. Um, so I could get all of my character questions answered very quickly, you know? And I think that allowed me to do like a deep dive into the characters kind of right away. Um, and I was definitely drawn to the project because I loved the short so much. And I liked that the short, yes, that's definitely this whole world and the feature, they're obviously connected, but this is like many years later. So it's a totally mm -hmm. different vibe in my opinion. And I liked that the shorts costumes were kind of like vaguely vintage, timeless feel. And so once I started working on the feature, we didn't even really talk about the short that much anymore. It was sort of like Vivian and Marion had grown apart and had developed their own separate styles. And therefore, you know, it was a totally different, it said in the future, a totally different thing for costumes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And you can really tell the difference between the two projects and also, you know, I guess I should say, I think I'll probably say it in the beginning, but like there's some stuff that, you know, you kind of hint and nod to from the short, but it's not something that you absolutely need to see to understand this film. So I think it's like a, a nice balance between the two. And that was, that was such a conversation too, that we, yeah. we sort of had in, in the writing process and the development process. And then also um, as we were shooting was sort of, you know, oh, this, like, if we did do a callback to the short or we had sort of a little hint, um, is it, is it too subtle or is it too like obscure that then, because we kind of couldn't get, it was really nice to have fresh perspectives like Ali or production designer Maite, um, who we had worked with before, but not on the short and to kind of to say, to just have a little bit of a check and balance, like this makes sense. Right? What we're doing makes sense if you, if you, are are in our heads, which is like this this long our kind of continuation. So I, I really valued that that Ali came on and was this fresh perspective and and just kind of added on just a, another extra layer. Yeah, one of the really cool aspects of this film for me is that it's shot on the sixteen millimeter film, and I think that gives the film this that thing that you were talking about, Ali. This almost timeless feel uh it's, it's a very it feels to me kind of like an aged photograph sort of and it, it feels very much in in line with the 80s period that the film takes place during because it's sort of like a memory so Mia, i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that um what was it like shooting on 16 millimeter is that something that you do with all your projects or what made you choose this type of film for this project yeah i think you really described it so perfectly well is that we a, a big part of our references for shooting film is like 
And, and the way we approached it as a period piece was not this over-the-top, it takes place in 1987, over-the-top sort of 80s movie. It was, it's more like our memories of the 80s and growing up in the 80s and, and kind of um, a callback to our own photographs and, and uh, things like that. So we weren't, we weren't trying to recreate some kind of retro look. We felt that just by shooting it on 16 millimeter, it was going to like provide that nostalgia already. I, Aaron and I have always shot together on film. Um, I shoot a lot of film and especially because I work with Aaron, she just really believes in that as part of the process. I think we, we view it as not just the, the aesthetic experience of, of watching a film in on, on celluloid, but also the experience of, of making decisions on set that you're burning into the image right then and there. And that um, we have, there's a lot of trust that goes into it. Aaron really trusts that I know what's going on because if you've ever shot film, you know, you, you there's no monitor where you can tell what's happening. There's no, um, you know, playback to say, oh, did we get that moment? I mean, we're shooting stunts on film. The only person who can tell if, anything's exposed and I actually don't even really know as I'm shooting it, if I'm exposing correctly or if, if it's in frame or if, if we are picking up on something, if it's in focus is me. And I have my, my eye in, in the eye piece and I'm really, I'm trusting myself. I'm trusting the performances. I'm trusting that Aaron is watching the performances and, and making sure that they're, you know, on, on par and, and that, you know, it's going to come back from the lab. Okay. So we, because we were shooting in, in upstate New York, we could only, you know, like five, five, six hours outside of the city, we could only get dailies back once a week. So the film would get wow. run down on uh, Friday and we get a new batch of film on Monday, uh, like a fresh batch to shoot and uh, they would process it and uh, scan it we would get dailies back usually just before lunch on Wednesday. So on set, I would get like a little ding in my pocket and I would, the color, uh, the uh, supervisor um, at uh, Technicolor would send me scans, just me, <laughs> would send me bills <laughs> and scans of the dailies. And so I would be like, oh gosh, did we get that? Did we get that? So it was, it's, it adds, it adds a certain amount of suspense and tension, but I think you have to really, be paying attention and plotting things out and be trusting the decisions that you're making. And we make a lot of big decisions in this film. Uh, we really lean into the aesthetic and the, and in the performances and everything. And we say like, okay, let's just, let's just go for it. You know, it's a movie. Let's feel the movie and let's, let's, uh, let's make some, let's make some cinema, right? It's, we're, we're just going to go there. Why, why not? We only have one shot to do this. Um, and so largely it pays off. Oh, there was just a couple of times when I got dailies back and I was like, man, we did not do that right. But I was going to ask if there was like a specific moment where you looked at it and you're like, oh shit, we have to do this over again. Yeah. We shot, we shot the opening scene of the film on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And then we all broke uh, for the weekend and came back, I think on Saturday or Sunday. Right. Is that right? And I was, I was sick. I was sick for like a full week hmm. uh, without being able to do anything else because we were just shooting into pitch black basically uh, and, and hoping that we had the exposure and the exposure was in the right place. But um, I, I, I learned on film and I feel very fortunate to have had that experience because I take that with me even when I'm shooting uh, digital kind of that, that sort of 
confidence and trust in myself that I'm getting what I want on the day and I'm, I'm not going to have to rely on the DI. That being said, our colorist is fantastic and he helped us out a lot. <laughs> Roman, Roman at, at, uh, at Harbor Pictures just really killed it on the color and absolutely understood what we were going for. So uh, we were very, very fortunate to, to have his, his eyes on the project as well. Yeah, I love that it's kind of like a, a muted feel with the 16 millimeters, but the colors still really pop, like especially some of the, the costumes that you do, Allie. Um, I want to focus on one thing that you said there, Mia, about how it's not over-exaggerated. Like it doesn't feel like a kind of campy 80s thing, like something like maybe Wonder Woman 1984, which just came out recently, has it kind of leans into the the silliness of the 80s. And so... I, I noticed, Allison, that you did you still managed to have a lot of fun with the 80s costumes. You know, there's the Stanley Simmons character, um, what's his name, Miles, who plays this teenage manager of an ice cream store who is dressed head to toe in a neon tracksuit that he looks like somebody just turned a, a an, an 80s arcade upside down and he fell right out the top of it. And it's a really great costume. But, um, you know, it also feels like a realistic, believable person that lived in the 80s, not somebody who's kind of like dressing up as a character at a costume party or something. So I was wondering, how do you manage to toe the line between that when you're working in these kind of period pieces? Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, I, I mean, I think initially costume is there, you know, to support the actor's performance and like also visually help define the character for the audience. So I kind of have to approach each project differently. Like I come from this SNL world. I worked on SNL for like four seasons and in the sketch comedy world, sometimes the costumes are literally the joke, but I have to approach it very differently for a drama thriller. You know, that needs to be way more subtle and realistic. That makes it more authentic. And I didn't obviously want it to be a caricature of the 1980s. And I think what makes it really layered is when you think about maybe what you wear today, do you wear everything that's super on trend in 2021? No, you wear like a mixture of things. You might wear like your mom's jacket from the 90s or like your grandmother's hat or whatever, you know, it needs to be a mixture of 1960s, 1970s, 80s as well. And that's what makes those characters so layered, in my opinion. Like Marion's kind of like late 70s, early 80s rock and roll. Vivian is more like 60s kind of vibe. And I think that's what makes it really fun. Like you don't have to be like, this needs to be like right on point for 1987. Mm. Like if you look in fashion magazines, like this was it, because I don't think that's how like real people dressed, you know? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things I love about this film is that we have these two twins, like you said, Marion and Vivian. And I think in a conventional story about twins or even siblings, you start with them being carbon copies of each other and then something happens in the film that causes a rift, and then it starts to separate and distinguish and distinguish them. And that's sort of what the the short film Superior does. It's more complicated than that, of course, but that's kind of the basis premise. But in this feature film, it kind of does the opposite. It turns that on its head, and Marion and Vivian start in very distinct, different places in their lives. And then as they 
come or throughout the film, they become more and more similar. And you start to see that in the way that they dress and the way that they look, you know, they start to get the same hair. And then it, even in that final shot, which is great, they're both wearing bright red uh, tops. So I want to ask you, Ali, like when you're designing the costumes for Marion and Vivian, how much of that is a discussion with Aaron versus with the actors versus you reading the script and visualizing what you think these characters look like? Um, I think it's it's generally like a combination of all those things. I think what allows me to be successful is when I get actors input because at the end of the day, like when an actor does a fitting or talks to me, that's when they really start to visualize the character. So I wouldn't want to put an actor in a costume or go a certain direction if they weren't comfortable with it and they weren't on board, you know? Um, I think Aaron and I were sort of on the same page from the beginning for most of the characters. I feel like when I read the script, I kind of understood what she was trying to do. The only character that was challenging, there were, I mean, the whole project's challenging, obviously, but Mm -hmm. one of the characters that was challenging was Robert. I think I initially saw him in more of like this heavy shoulders, 1980s suit separates, like Brian Ferry kind of vibe, more like suiting kind of. And then we had this discussion because, you know, Pico Alexander plays Robert and he's so handsome and had never played kind of like an evil character before and putting him in suiting made him look super polished and like, you know, your best friend. And we (laughs) needed to kind of like switch gears with him and kind of make him into this kind of like sinister character. Um, And what I like to call him like a rich punk, you know, he's got that like rock and roll vibe that kind of ties him with Marion, but he's, he's put together. So it was kind of like a process, not to mention we were, shooting truly in like a a fashion desert and in upstate New York, there weren't a lot of options around. So I had to get creative and, you know, go outside the box a little bit. So do you go to stores or like Goodwill stores and things and purchase things or do you kind of construct them from different pieces? It just depends. I mean, for this, I think I sourced most of Robert's costumes from like thrift stores, vintage stores. We went to Wilson's leather outlet about five hours away (laughs) for that long leather trench coat. Um, It's like a hodgepodge generally. Um, Yeah. I mean, it just depends, but yeah, this, this one was interesting because it was like, you know, ship buying things online. Now that's the world that we live in the COVID world, but you know, going to every single thrift store and every single random store in Ithaca, which wasn't even very close. It was like an hour away from where we were shooting. So wow. I had to go for it. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it works for sure. Um, so one of the things about interviewing filmmakers that I, I really think is great is that you really learn how much care and thought goes into every single scene, like every single second of every single frame. And I think when an average film goer watches a film, they might not realize how difficult it can be to get like a specific shot or a specific sequence or make a character look a specific way so that it looks perfect 
So I wanted to ask each of you, Mia, first, was there a particular shot or sequence in the film that you're especially proud of or one that was particularly difficult to pull off? Absolutely. There's, um, you know, we, we talked about a little bit that there was just a couple of callbacks from the short. We actually, we did a shot in, in our third short together called Walking and Falling, which is really um, also, we think that all of our films are in the same world. In some, in some way, there's sort of a thread between all of them that kind of uh, seem, seems to make sense. But um, in that film, there's, there's a uh, part of it takes place in a pool. And so there's this shot that we did. Again, we were in film school. We just threw a jib into this indoor pool area. And we were able to get this, this shot of, of the, um, the character um, played by Rachel Rawson swimming and, and this kind of pan. And we... We had this very particular shot in mind, and then we tried to translate that. It was written into this the story because we really wanted to go back into a pool situation, um, and so we tried to do it. But when we were in school, we didn't really know what we did, we were doing, and we didn't really have sort of regard for maybe regulations and safety. Uh, so we just kind of were were just winging it, and then here we get to like a big crew and um, you know a big production. We had to really think about it. We couldn't get the same jib style shot uh, safely into this area, and so we ended up building out this this whole sort of uh, speed rail trestle thing into the middle of the pool, so that we could get the camera right into the middle for the shot of uh, Marion and Vivian sitting on the edge of the pool while Marion eats chips. And we didn't want to do it from one side on a long lens. We wanted to feel really close to her there so that when we go turn around and do this long lens zoom shot, it feels really different and it takes us out of that moment. It ended up being a very short shot in the movie, but took a very long time to achieve. Uh, on on the day, and, and my key grip, Josh Ellum, really he didn't sleep a wink the night before because he was so worried about uh, pulling off the shot. And he did a great job, but it was uh, one of those things where, as it was happening, we were all sitting around in this really hot, sweaty pool room, pool, indoor pool, fully clothed in our winter outfits because it was a blizzard outside. Just thinking, um, we should, we shouldn't have done this. We could have put the time <laughs> somewhere else. But I think the shot the shot works. I really like mm -hmm. the scene in the pool. It it all comes together. I'm glad that that's the shot and not something else. We would have probably been kicking ourselves and said we should have just gone for it. Um, I got to go swimming that day. My whole camera team got to go swimming that day, so it was pretty fun. But um, that's that's a that's definitely a moment in the film that takes takes about ten seconds on screen and took about six hours on the day to achieve. Um, but there's there's a lot of moments like that, and I think that's you know when I watch a film that I've done, I kind of sit back and look at it, and I can't separate myself from that stuff. The you know how hard it was to get a zoom shot timed perfectly right as she's walking back and forth on the phone, or. Um, you know, the number of hours that went into planning the uh, the opening sequence with the car stunts and everything um, and how it should have been twice as many hours gone into planning it because it was such a um, such a complicated situation uh, that we've kind of gotten ourselves into. But then you get the film back and you sort of you say, OK, this is what we've got. It's a moment in time and, and uh, you know, edit it together. Let's go. That was the perfect answer to that question. I was I was very concerned that 
you guys were going to be like, nope, nothing. Well, <laughs> so I'm going to answer to that. If you ask anybody, we have a good answer to that question because every 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 frame takes so much, and you don't know it looking at it. Right. That like behind the camera, there's like literally tap dancing clowns or like whatever it is to get the moment right. Um, you know, and, and there were not tap dancing clowns in this, but you know what I mean. There's like a circus going on behind the camera that you that you kind of could never imagine when you have just like a little moment of somebody eating a bag of chips in a pool. Yeah. And I really love hearing about that because it just makes it so much more exciting to see it like played out. And even if it is just for a couple of seconds, just to really appreciate the amount of craft that went into that. So it's, thank you. Um, Allison, same question. Like, is there a particular character or maybe even a single costume that was particularly difficult to get right? I, I know you mentioned the Robert character, but was there maybe one other one that you're especially proud of or that was super challenging to pin down? I can I do a favorite scene, like a favorite? Yeah, of, absolutely. <laughs> um I'm super proud of the the big club scene that happens in the end of the film where Marion's kind of walking around looking for Vivian all over town and she goes to the club where her gig is with her band and she runs into her band. I think that was just so much planning on the costume end because there's all these really important characters. You know, it's how many background we had like a decent amount of background. Like when you do a period, it was our last day. It was our last day. It was our last day of shooting. And it was like the hardest day of one of the hardest days of the whole movie. Literally broken my ankle the night before. I was oh my sick. God. <laughs> fever. Yeah. We lost we were, the baby. He was sick. <laughs> we were all falling apart. Um, and then the band that plays the band, Flexies, like they're actually a band and they arrived like midnight the night before we shot this. And I don't even think we got a, I got a fitting with them till like we, they got to set. And I think it turned out so beautiful. It's so textured and colorful thanks to Mia. Um, Literally shooting it in the warehouse where art department was building and storing all of the art, like the props, the vehicles, everything. We just, that was like our only location we could use. (laughs) And we had had, like, we did a lot of dancing on this movie, like the crew and the cast. Like that was how we would, you know, burn off steam at the end of the day would we just go like dance and go crazy and we'd had a big dance party in this warehouse space like the week before um but i i feel like that scene like it has these pops of color it's very black and white with like flashes of metal and studs and i really love the silver dress on stage and that backdrop that's behind the band that pink backdrop we discussed that me erin Mia and Maite, our production designer, we talked about color in that moment, like for days, weeks, maybe. And the inspiration for that was like the decline of Western civilization, which was like so perfect. And I just feel like it turned out really wonderful. And I'm super proud of that. It's extra wonderful now that we haven't been to a club in over a year at this point. So, yeah. Um I've been trying to end my episodes on a light note just by asking a couple of silly questions a piece. So if, if you'll indulge me on that, Allison, since Superior takes place around Halloween, 
And you are, of course, the costume designer. I want to ask, what's your favorite Halloween costume when you were growing up? When I was growing up, um, I'll do one that I, I was a couple of years ago, actually, as an adult. We're all growing uh, up still. Yeah, I'm still growing up. Yeah. <laughs> My boyfriend and I were French royalty, like ghosts, French royalty. And I was Marie Antoinette, but I had like, like I had been beheaded. So I had like a <laughs> neck wound. <laughs> so did you make your own costume for that? No, we rented it from this amazing costume house called Pierre's in Philadelphia that I work with all the time on movies. And they were so jazzed that we were like, <laughs> this is what we want to be like, but we're going to be ghosts of these people. So it was super fun. <laughs> awesome. And Mia, since we are on the Movie Marathoners podcast, uh, if you had to run a marathon with either Marion or Vivian, who would you choose? Um. And we, we have this conversation constantly on set. Are you a Marion or are you a Vivian? <laughs> um, and, and we all, we kind of would, would change all the time based on our moods. I'm a Vivian. I, I, I feel like I connect with her. I connect with her world. I mean, I definitely have some Marion tendencies, but I think I'm a Vivian. I like her references, even though her world is a little daintier than mine is. I think she, she in the end takes a lot of risks. And so I would, I would go with Vivian, um, a big, a, a, a big film reference for her house in particular and, and kind of the rooms was the monochromatic sort of looks in uh, Rosemary's Baby and Red Desert and Red Desert in particular uh, is, is Monica Vitti, one of, one of my favorite films. And so uh, I feel like if those are two of her film influences, then I'm, I'm, I'm right there with her. You'd have a lot to talk about with her. Exactly. Think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Awesome. I think I'm a I think I'm a Marion pretending to be a Vivian. <laughs> <laughs> it. I'll I'll have to think about which one I am. I, I think I wanna lean on Vivian. I don't think I'm I'm wild enough to be a Marion, but maybe maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. All right. Well, Mia, Allison, thank you both so much for joining me. This was a delight and it was an honor. I, I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to to talk with me. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. So much, Auntie. This was really great. Wonderful questions. Thank you. And, and congratulations on a wonderful film. Um, be sure to check out Mia Trophy Henry and Allison Pierce's film Superior, which premiered at the Sundance Film Festival on January 30th and will hopefully be out sometime later this year. This has been a Movie Marathoner's Sundance 5K series episode. Be sure to stay tuned for more Sundance coverage. You can find all of our Sundance 5K series and the main feature episodes of Movie Marathoners, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie-marathoners, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and remember that life's a marathon, so let's take it one movie at a time. I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture. 
from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically, or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts.